We turn to number 50 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal as we prepare to hear God's Word tonight. Number 50, we're going to sing the verses 1 and 2 and then verse 5 and 8. Verses 1 and 2, 5 and 8 of number 50. Let's stand together as we sing. Tonight, God's Word comes to us once again from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 34, excuse me, 35, 35. We're going to begin our reading at verse 4 and then read through verse 7 of the following chapter. Exodus 35, beginning at verse 4. What we hear now is God's word. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. 
Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, and for the breastpiece. Let every skilled craftsman among you come and make all the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its coverings, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons and their service for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns of fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skilled woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair, and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Azamach, of the tribe of Dan. 
He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. And said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. And here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, perhaps uh, you thought we had completed our series on the tabernacle. We have looked at all of the furnishings that are described for us last time looking at the Ark of the Covenant. But there are a few other themes in this section of Exodus uh, related to the building of the tabernacle that we're going to look at together. Perhaps it's uh, good to remind ourselves Uh, of the structure of this last half of Exodus. This last half of Exodus beginning at chapter 25 and going through chapter 40. In chapter 25, we had the initial instruction and command to build the tabernacle and its furnishings. In chapter 25, they were instructed to build the ark and the table and the lampstand. In chapter 26, the instruction to build the tabernacle proper with its courtyard. In 27, the instructions for the bronze altar. We did not look at 28 and 29 dealing with the priesthood and the priestly garments, but we did look at chapter 30 dealing with the altar of incense. Whoop, are we good? Yes? No? I can just talk loud. That's not going to stop me. Chapter 31, dealing, chapter 30, dealing with the altar of incense, and now chapter 31, with those whom God sets apart for particular service as craftsmen for the tabernacle. After chapter 31, in chapters 32 to 34, we have the golden calf incident. That incident of, of disobedience against God and God coming in judgment upon them, but giving his law once again. And then in chapters 35 through 40, we have the actual construction phase where they build everything according to the command of God. We have seen throughout this series that the various furnishings have typological significance. They point us forward to the work of Christ. Now that's going to be a little different this evening. Because I do not believe that the builders, that Bezalel and Aholiab, point us forward to the work of Christ. They are not types. 
And the reason they are not types is because they were not symbols. Remember the principle, something must be a symbol before it can be a type. However, in the instructions for the builders and how the tabernacle was to be built, it does point us forward to the New Testament and particularly to how the church is to worship God. This was for the tent of meeting where God would meet with his people. That's what happens when we gather for worship. We meet together as the people of God. So we look at this text tonight to see in the Old Testament already the principles God gives to us for how we are to worship him. We see that these uh, builders were set apart by divine appointment. All the instruction had been given. And then in verse 4 of chapter 35, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing the Lord has commanded. Now it's time to build what God has called us to build. We've had all these instructions since chapter 25. Now, finally, it's time for us to build. And that is particularly significant in light of what had taken place earlier, chapters 32 to 34, the golden calf incident, when they had been disobedient to God. And yet God did not cast his people off. God didn't say, you know, all those instructions I gave for how we're supposed to meet together, throw those out the window. No, God continues to be faithful to his people. And he tells them, now it's time to go ahead and build. It's obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. This call to build goes to the people of Israel. It goes to God's people. The call to make this place of meeting was not given to the Philistines. It was not given to the Canaanites. It was given to God's chosen people. They are the ones who are responsible for this meeting with God. And it reminds us that there is a difference between the church and the world. The church meets with God. God gathers with His people. Worship is to be offered by the people of God. Worship is not, first of all, an outreach to the world. Now, to be sure, there's an evangelistic component in worship. The gospel is declared. But worship is, first of all, for the church. It is for God's people. It's to be understandable to those who are not believers, but it is not particularly for them. The tabernacle was not for Philistia. The tabernacle was not for Canaan. The tabernacle was for God's people when he would meet with them. So... So it should not surprise us if unbelievers come into church. It should not surprise us 
if they feel out of place, if there is a bit of discomfort, because this is for the people of God. It is for us to meet with our God. That, that reality affects the words that we use in worship. It is not required that, that every time we use a biblical or theological term, we need to explain it. There's, a, there's a, an understanding. There are some words we're going to use that we understand that perhaps the world will not. We don't have to explain them every single time. Words like justification, like sanctification, like expiation, like propitiation. All these words describe the atonement. There's a certain understanding. We get that because we're God's people. The fact that worship is a meeting of God with his people affects the songs that we sing. Now, sometimes uh, people will, will come and will worship with us, and uh, unbelievers might come in, and they say, you know, I, I, I kind of like what you're doing here, but your music is so out of step with contemporary society. It should not surprise us that the songs of the church are different than the songs of the world. That should not be a shock to us. That we have particular songs that we sing as God's people. And if they don't sound like the way the world sings, that's no surprise. Worship is for God's people. Worship is for the church. God said to his people, now it's time to have this place of meeting come together. Worship is for the people of God. And as the tabernacle was to be built now, there were particular leaders appointed. Verse 34, excuse me, verse 30. And Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, in carving wood, and work for every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Dan. There were particular leaders, two particular leaders, who were to give direction to this project. They were to give direction and they were to teach. These two men set apart, filled with the Spirit of God, one of the places we read about the Spirit in the Old Testament, in the making of the tabernacle, filled with the Spirit of God, and set apart to, to oversee the work going on, to oversee this meeting place. And of course, we still have that today. We still have those today who are set apart, filled with the Spirit, to give oversight to what takes place in our meeting with God. And we call those elders. Elders are set apart by divine appointment to make sure that the meeting with God is appropriate. Particular leaders appointed by God to give direction and to teach. 
to teach how it is we should fulfill the work God has given us to do. The picture of the tabernacle being built and these leaders being set apart, a reminder that worship is under the oversight of office bearers by divine appointment. And, and as it seems, they all, all the people had something to bring. All were included in bringing the offerings. There would be woodworkers, metal workers, stone workers, those who could spin, those who could sew, a variety of gifts. Many, many things had to be done. And yet all of that too, under the, under the eye of the leadership. And the same is true today. There are a variety of gifts within the people of God. And we are so thankful for that. There are those who can lead in music. Those are, there are those who can care for our children in the nursery. There are those who can usher, who can bring us in. There are those who encourage us just by being here on the Lord's Day. A variety of gifts. But all to be used under the direction of God's appointed leaders and according to God's command. And that very, very particularly is, is what the elders do for us as well. They give oversight, they give leadership in the worship to make sure that what is done, even though there are a variety of gifts and a variety of talents, that what is done is done according to the command of God. I, I believe that people back then were not that different than from people today. People back then in Israel aren't that different from us. And, and, and I can imagine, I can imagine someone saying, you know, uh, we have all this cloth of blue and of purple and of red, and, and that's really, really beautiful. But you know what? I'd like to add a little green. I, I, I think green would be a nice touch. would really kind of set off those other colors. And, and, and I think it'd be a good thing if we just had, had some green as well. God hadn't commanded green. God had said, these are the colors you're to bring. And, and, and they weren't free, even with the best of intentions, to go beyond what God commanded. Again, I, I can imagine someone envisioning that holy place. You know, you know, in the holy place, we've got a lamp, we've got an altar, we've got a table. I think it'd be nice to have a chair. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good to have a chair by that table? You know what, you know what? Don't worry. I'll make it myself, I'll do all the work on my own, and this will be my little particular contribution to the tabernacle. God hadn't commanded a chair. And I'm sure, I'm sure you see the connection between that and the worship of God's people today. There are many things that might be nice it seems like, like, like worship today is often uh, tried to be organized around the principle of participation. 
we're all gifted, we all have talents, so we should all be able to offer our little piece. I offer my green, I offer my chair. But God had instructed them, and God instructs us how he would be worshipped. Worship is not to be a creative activity. It is to be an obedient one. We are not to add to that which God has commanded, but do everything he has commanded. Now, of course, we are talking about the elements of worship. We're not talking about uh, God giving a command as to what time the church should meet, whether it's at 6 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock at night or 5 o'clock at night. We're ta not talking about whether we should sing with the organ or sing with the piano. We're talking about the elements the elements which God has commanded, and they are the ones that must be there. God has commanded that preaching be done. And now whether that preaching is expository, whether that preaching is historical redemptive, whether it's from the Old Testament, whether it's from the New Testament, those are matters of circumstance, but the element, preaching, must be there. And we are not free to set that aside and replace it with something we think is more exciting, something we like better. God has commanded. The gospel is to be preached. Songs are to be sung. Now, whether they come out of this book or that book, that's a matter of indifference, but songs are to be sung. And, and in particular, God has commanded that psalms are to be sung. Now, we can discuss whether they should be sung exclusively or not, but at the very least, God has commanded that the psalms be sung. And while there are beautiful hymns, and I love the hymns, we are not free to completely disregard the command of God, which is why in our church we sing psalms and hymns, both, because God has commanded. His word is to be sung in worship. Offerings and prayers are to be offered. The offerings for a variety of causes. We're so thankful the deacons bring us a wide variety of choices, places to give our offerings, but offerings are to be given. The elements are to take place. Yes, there are various gifts to be used in the life of the church, but in worship, under the oversight of the elders, we are to be careful to follow God's commands. We are so thankful for all the giftedness God has given our local congregation. And the elders help us to use those gifts appropriately and keep us from using those gifts inappropriately. They are the overseers. They are the directors of what takes place. Now I know when we talk about things like this, it may seem restrictive it may seem like kind of a downer. Only do these certain things. Why can't we all do whatever we want? Is that how Israel responded when these instructions were given? 
Israel did not see this as a downer, but they saw this as the opportunity to lovingly and willingly serve God. Verse 21, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all kinds of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. They were overwhelmed because they had the opportunity to give as God has commanded, to bring as God instructed, and their hearts were moved to joyful obedience. Again, from verse 26, all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. From verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose hearts moved them to bring anything for the work the Lord commanded, by Moses to be brought as a freewill offering to the Lord. In chapter 36, verse 1, Basilel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord had put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all the Lord has commanded. They would have an overwhelming willingness to do it God's way. A willingness to serve God must be also a willingness to obey God and to serve as he has instructed. Some brought things, some brought their skills, both were necessary, but all were brought under the authority of the command of God and the overseers, willing to be used as God had commanded. It did not discourage their giving, that they were to do it in a particular way. No, it... it, (laughs) It fueled their giving, that they were be allowed to, to bring their gifts for the construction of this meeting place with God. We read in verse 3 of chapter 36, and they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning, again and again and again, bringing more, bringing all they could, every morning bringing offerings for the work of meeting with God and his people. They brought them the work, their gifts continually, they brought them abundantly. I'm always amazed at what comes next in this story. Verse 4. So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary so the people were restrained from bringing they brought all they could they brought it continually they brought it abundantly they had to be told to stop can you imagine that today if in the bulletin the deacons put a notice. People of God, please stop bringing your tithes and offerings. We have too much to be able to handle. They gave abundantly. Because they gave as they had received from God. 
These are those who had been brought out of captivity in Egypt. These are those who were on their way to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. These are those who knew about deliverance. And that, that, that deliverance from captivity motivated them to give as much as they could, so much they had to be told to stop bringing your gifts. We understand what it is to be taken out of captivity. Oh, not a captivity in a particular land. But we, as God's people, have been taken from captivity to freedom. We have been taken from sin to salvation. We have been taken from death to life by the grace of God. All of us deserve to die in the wilderness away from God. But he has graciously, lovingly chose us to be his people, to be his children, to come and meet with him. And that must overwhelm us. And our hearts must overflow with thanksgiving. And that becomes practical in the gifts that we bring for the ongoing work of the church of God. We know what it is to go from captivity to freedom. And God continues to work bringing people from captivity to freedom, from death to life. He continues to call out that we are to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, to know that without Him, we will spend an eternity away from Him, an eternity in torment. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are brought in. We are made sons and daughters. We are reconciled. We have fellowship. We can meet with God as we come into His presence for worship. Motivated to give motivated to give according to the command of God because of what he has done. We must not miss the opportunity to show God our thanksgiving in the tithes and the offerings that we bring. Beautiful picture of this meeting place of God with his people, how everyone was involved, but involved under the, under the instruction and the authority of God's chosen selected leaders who would teach them how to be involved. Worship pictured already in this Old Testament text. They, they saw but a shadow. We have seen the reality. And we look forward to that greater reality, worshiping with God eternally in the new heavens and the new earth. God calls us to appreciate the blessing of meeting with him going to his tabernacle, coming into the tent of meeting and having that, that, that intimate time of fellowship as his people. God calls us to follow the leadership he has given to us, to follow his word, to follow the work of the eldership, to do everything as God has commanded. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of your word. We know that these Old Testament texts are not simply a record of what took place so many years ago, but they are instructive for us today. 
Lord God, as we gather on this Lord's Day as your people, we thank you and we praise you for bringing us in, for allowing us to meet with you on this Lord's Day night, to enter into your holy presence, your tabernacle, your temple, the new Jerusalem. Lord God, bless us in our worship. May we do that which is pleasing in your sight. Remove from us any desire to go beyond what you have commanded and to live in a way that our worship is pleasing to you and to your honor and to your glory and in obedience to you. Lord God, bless the giving that we do for your church. We are so excited to be, have the opportunity to, to give for the ongoing work of your church and your kingdom. Give us hearts of joy, move our hearts, move our spirits, that we might give continually, that we might give abundantly, and this in response to what you have done for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.